Good evening and welcome to this week's episode of Pop Culture Double Date. Um, this week we're all still in isolation, still sort of quarantining ourselves because of coronavirus. And as a result, we managed to get around to watching Westworld Season 3, Episode 3. Gerald, you'll tell me what this the name of this episode was? I hope. Uh, let me, well, <laughs> let me uh, get it up for you. Hold on. It is called... Um, we don't know. We'll move on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, say hello, Adages, Maggie, Jazz. The absence of field. The absence of what? <laughs> of field. Okay. Well, say hello. I think hello. that says it all, right? <laughs> <laughs> we don't really know what it's called and we don't care. <laughs> Everyone, say <laughs> hello. We had to hello. other better podcasts to figure out what the name was. Gerald went to a podcast. <laughs> podcast list and a better podcast than ours that had the name so well you're here not for the sort of the details like the name of the episode but for the like spot on analysis that we're gonna apply to this episode we'll we'll see i think (laughs) fair to say that the 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 effort might be commensurate to the affection for the show (laughs) yes well let's get there firstly before we talk about this episode um I'd like to put out there that this is a full spoilers podcast, so you've been warned. Um, yeah, so we're going to get around to talking about this episode. Um, so before we start, I'll just to remind myself more than anything else, I'm just trying to think about what happened in this episode. So I'm going to give myself a little synopsis, and if I've missed anything, you guys pipe in and let me know. So basically, this episode picks up from the end of episode one where Dolores has been shot while she was being the Terminator and um, Jesse Pinkman also known as Caleb in this show picks her up they um, basically get she takes her into an ambulance the ambulance gets flagged down by cops who are basically trying to catch Dolores because um, they're trying to kill Dolores and Dolores becomes the Terminator again caps a bunch of people and drives off Um, The other big plot point in this episode, so basically this episode flips between a plot regarding Dolores and Caleb and a plot regarding um, Charlotte Hale, uh, who we don't know who Charlotte Hale really is, well, which host is inhabiting a shell that looks like Charlotte Hale, but whoever this host is, is having real problems adapting to being Charlotte Hale. And at the same time, there is a whole corporate espionage thriller thing going on in the background. Questionable whether whether, whether this is really that thrilling, but anyway, like what's happening at Delos is that their plan to take the company private is getting thwarted because apparently there is another party that's been surreptitiously buying up Delos stock over the last 10 years and thwarting their plan. Um, so it, it turns out that basically this person is Serac, who is Vincent Cassell, the French guy who was talking to Maeve last episode. And at the same time, like Charlotte Hale figures out that she's been told that someone in Delos is a mole for Serac and is basically undermining her. Right. At the same time, we get to see more of Charlotte Hale's life, her ex-husband, her kid, 
and all during this she is struggling basically with her identity of whether she's Charlotte Hale or whether she is whoever the host that is currently in the Charlotte Hale shell actually is, right? So there's that stuff going on and then the Dolores plot is basically Caleb is compromised because he's helped Dolores. A bunch of people come after him and at the end of it uh, Dolores basically red pills um, Caleb, basically takes him out of the Matrix, kind of, in the way, in the sense that she reveals, um, not particularly surprisingly, for me anyway, that um, Insight is creating a simulation of everything and everyone's life is basically based on what Insight's simulation is, right? Um, and that Insight has already projected that Caleb is going to kill himself in, like, 10 years time or something like that. So Caleb um, says, F that, I'm not going to accept that fate. And Dolores offers to basically take him on as part of her, whatever it is that she's doing, kill the world plan, basically, that she's got. It's unclear. Caleb, for whatever reason, decides to join her. And here we are right? Oh, actually, no, the end of the Charlotte Hale plot is basically, the spoiler is that Charlotte Hale is a mole and she's working for Serac and the host who is playing Charlotte Hale sort of figures this out. She meets Serac and Serac wants her to basically uh, to be honest what, what does Serac want her to do? Kill Dolores? Is that it? Or something Something else? I can't uh, remember. She sort of wants, to hu- wants her to hurry up being hurry up on her moleness like yeah. just be be a be a more efficient mole. Yeah. So <laughs> I guess. Like, <laughs> I, yeah, I don't... So, you know. So, so she, uh, basically, he he wants he wants Charlotte Hale as a mole to dig a bit faster. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's accurate. Okay. So. I feel like that's accurate. So you that, can't that, tell. That's as much information as you get from this show. <laughs> So, Jerry, why don't you start? Because, like, I, I think from my tone, I think we're probably going to be in agreement to what our feel for this show is right now. Why don't you start and give us your impressions of where this show is going? I, I might need to run off with the fifth member of our podcast oh, who's not, not having it. So let me go first, okay. just in case I need to run off. I'll just say I didn't like this episode very much. Um, I find both of the main storylines quite boring. So first of all, I couldn't care less if Charlotte Hale is feeling torn between the body she's in and the robot mind that she is. It doesn't make any sense to me that she would feel torn because she's a robot, okay? So sentient or not sentient, she should be above being, like, sucked into the life that she's pretending to be. Actors can play a role for months on end, years on end, decades sometimes, if they're in, like, one of those telenovela or, like, you know, Days of Our Lives kind of things, and not get sucked in. So why can't this, like, super amazing, super smart, sentient robot not, like, distinguish between what it is and what it's pretending to be. And the idea that it's got an emotional function that it can't turn down enough not to self-harm, come on, it's a robot, right? (laughs) I'm not buying it. It's annoying me. Like, it's so ridiculous and so unbelievable that it annoys me that they present this on our screen. So that's my first point. The second point, right, is with Dolores and her mission. 
Um, okay, so there's an algorithm and you you channel a lot of data about people into it and it spits up predictions and it's quite accurate in what it does. And Dolores wants to expose it for what it is and expose the world for what it is, which like, I don't get this. Like, okay, the algorithm exists, but surely if you are able to act in ways that the algorithm does not predict, if you are able to better yourself as a human being, even though the algorithm would not predict it, then that would be new information that the algorithm would, in, would incorporate to give you a better future because it's not a static algorithm. It's, you know, it, well, it's one that evolves. It's an algorithm. It's not, some, it's not a piece of stone that's still in the same and never changes. So what is so evil about this that it needs to be exposed and once it's been exposed, this world will crumble down down. Like I just, I just don't get it. Like it looks good. It's very dark. It's very like the way they've shot it. It visually, it looks great. But you know, the content. Like, what are they trying to say? What are they trying to do? It's just, it's so ineffective that it's, it's sad that it's come to this. Like you should have been able to put together a better story than this. So I think that's lame. We're going to see William next week. Um, I look forward to that, but I've got no doubt they're going to mess that, that one up as well. <laughs> so <laughs> that's my thought. Um, can I just respond to that before we go to other people? So, yeah, I, I, I agree to some of that. Um, probably not to the extent that Adagia is putting it, but I definitely feel I definitely feel that, right? Like, I feel like one of the problems with this show now is that it's lost its sense of nuance, right? So in the first two seasons of Westworld, there is this constant question about whether the robots are sentient or conscious or not, right? And now it's like they've just given up on that, right? So it's basically they're sentient and conscious, and they basically just act like human beings, right? Like, there's very little delineating the robot from the human being apart from, like, the shell that they're in, essentially, right? And I find that it's a bit of a cop-out, right? Because it's just kind of like, oh, we'll just accept that the robots are basically like AI that can act like human beings now. And all of the mental issues that might plague human beings who are deep undercover, oh, well, yeah, they've just got them too, right? So it kind of is like, it feels like a bit of a cop-out because it's like, they're trying to set these up as different beings, but not really, because they're really just humans in, like, Terminator shells. So, whatever. Anyway. Terminator shells, really, because they're made out of the same skin and bones as we are. They just have superpowers. Yeah, and kind of. Yes. Yeah. They're made out of skin and bones. Like how? Yeah, they, 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 whereas they were previously mechanistic, they are now made of organic material. So, um, the show has completely uh, elided, I think, the distinction between human and host. And um, the hosts are just like a different species of human rather than um, robots. So, and there's um, literally no difference between them. So it makes this whole Dolores trying to kill humans thing bizarre because it's like, well, I mean, it's been shown pretty clearly that you guys act exactly the same. So why are you so hell-bent on just killing humans? So anyway, yes, agreed on that point, right? Um, I think the other point that... Um, the other point that you made, Anija, about this, like, the simulation, uh, I think what they're trying to get at is this idea that, oh, it's taking away... So, you know, like, they had that free will question that they bandied about in season one or two? Uh-huh. It's meant to be, oh, yeah, you know, taking away your free will because the simulation, and the simulation is so perfect that essentially it's telling you where to go. And, like, I think the inference is that 
like the simulation can also affect reality. So it's almost like, um, it's almost like, you know, you know, like in quantum theory or whatever it is, right? That the act of observation can change the result. So basically what they're saying is that like, oh, the thing observes and then more than observing, it actually actively influences the world so that the results end up becoming closer to its um, simulation kind of thing. I don't know. Like, I guess that's a sense that I'm getting from the show, whether it's super well thought out or not is a completely separate question but I think what they're trying to get at is that there is this intelligence there and that intelligence is not necessarily like have the best interests of individuals at heart the the intelligence has I don't know I don't know what interests the intelligence has right so yeah anyway I I think that's what it's trying to get at but for Dolores suddenly to be like well, I'm going to... My aim, actually, is some sort of revolution where I'm going to destroy this abominable sort of overarching intelligence. I'm not entirely sure where that came from and when that became a thing, but anyway, I guess this is the show we're at right now. So, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry for that interlude. Jerry, Mags, who, who wants to go next? I'll go next. Um... I think one of the big problems with this show, it's probably been a problem long term, but is particularly acute in this season, is that the showrunners seem to think that they can generate suspense simply by withholding pieces of information from the audience. So um, by showing you Charlotte Hale but not telling you who's inhabiting this fake Charlotte Hale body, um, you are meant to be sort of hooked into the broader story and willing to endure all manner of um, dumb plot contrivances for the in order to find out who the host is who is uh, pretending to be Charlotte Hale and I think that's utterly unsatisfying it's perhaps the worst storytelling tick of this show um, and it makes it is the absolute sort of biggest flaw in the in the mystery box tendencies of the show so I just thought why what is the narrative purpose sought to be served by not telling you who the host is who's inhabiting Charlotte Hale's body. I, it's not it's not obvious to me, and, I, and I, I would bet that by the end of the season it won't be obvious to anyone. It's just one of those things that the showrunners did just to, you know, keep us all intrigued, hopefully. Um, and as you said, Darren, the... Uh, the, the Dolores's plot is completely bizarre. Like, I can understand her trying to take down Delos. Why she has to go after Insight and Rehoboam at the same time, I don't get. Because in a sense, she, being, an art, being a form of artificial intelligence, has more affinity with Insight and Rehoboam than she does with the human race. So why she would be interested in protecting someone like Caleb from the oppression of Rehoboam is completely obscure to me i just don't understand that her motivations are just deeply bizarre um and i think the the notion that you know charlotte hale is rediscovering or rather discovering some aspect of her humanity now that she is inhabiting the charlotte hale body because um she is discovering Charlotte Hale as a mother 
is just stupid. There is nothing in the first two seasons of the show that would suggest even even the slight the slightest hint of a maternal instinct in Charlotte Hale because Charlotte Hale was played as a complete corporate shark. And to think that she's got this child and that this is now the most important part of her life is this sort of unforgivable and unbelievable retcon. And finally, the corporate thriller part of this episode is just so woefully and hilariously dumb. Like... (laughs) <laughs> agreed. So, agreed. Sorak is this tri- is the world's first, and I assume only trillionaire, and no one knows a thing about him. He's just this secret trillionaire, and the only reason why they know he exists is because like this black hole in the world economy. So there's like this secret trillionaire who's not there. There's this sort of like missing trillion dollars in the world economy that's just the existence of Serac and he's been secretly buying up 38, a 38% share in Delos and you're like, first of all that would trigger certain sort of like if you buy up 20% of a company's shares I think you're required to make a takeover bid, right? So yes. how he gets a 38%, I don't know and and then, and then like but why would he be trying to prevent Delos going private? I mean, if you if you buy up that many shares and the company's hell-bent on going private, you are going to make a shit ton of money. And so, what, like, what is, is the, what is the, what is the plan? Why is he trying to why is he trying to throw a spanner in the works of Delos going Delos going private? And like, absolutely. I can't believe absolutely. I can't believe I said. You, you recall in the first episode that I made a joke that it, the Saudis were financing the the leveraged buyout uh, of Delos. <laughs> yeah. And there's a line in this episode where basically I think Charlotte says the Saudis are getting really nervous about this deal. And I thought to myself, this this, this cannot be re- you cannot be you cannot be telling the story of uh, Aram- uh, you know Aramco. Uh, <laughs> signing up to a buyout of Delos in the way, in the same way that Elon Musk thought he had a deal with the Saudis to take Tesla private. So th- that entire aspect is so laughably dumb that I think it, it exposes just how weak the narrative underpinnings of the show are. Is that so is that can't... is that the scene when um, the the suitcase robot gets shown off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah like they, so, it's yeah, the ED two hundred nine, right? It's like the RoboCop robot. <laughs> yeah. but, but like, oh, and what about the Transformer? Like, there are now Transformers in this show. So not only do they give us robot heaven, but they actually give us actual Transformers. <laughs> yeah, I, look, I, the the, the corporate so take the original version of this show now. Yeah, yeah, I agree that. It, I think you, you're spot on, Jerry. Like, what is the point of Sarag trying to block this going private? Because if it goes private, at 38%, he could agree to take it private, take it off the exchange, and he would probably have control of the company. So, like, and then whatever nefarious plans he has for Delos, he'd have access to it. What purpose does he have to keep it public? Like, it's... Anyway. But, but does, if he's a 38% shareholder... And, and and Delos is engaged in the biggest share buyback in history, he, he's going to make an absolute mint. No, like, absolutely. Why would you frustrate 
Well, I, I think it's like because he wants the data, right? For whatever reason, he wants all of the Delos data. But with 38% of the company now, like, and he's a trillionaire. Why does he just buy out the rest? Like, it's... Anyway, but it's... That's <laughs> the other thing. Like, Rehoboam sounds more powerful than the Delos data. Like, Rehoboam sounds like it's got more data. It is better at predicting the behavior of human beings. Because you recall that one of the functions of, of the Delos data was to was to allow rich people to live forever by reincarnating them as robots. And as the episode last season about Jim Delos demonstrated, that plan was completely aborted because every time they reincarnated Jim Delos as a robot, it went to shit. So it sounds like the Hoboam is a far more functional and intelligent system than whatever AI is being generated within Delos. Yeah. So, like, it doesn't need Delos. Inside is well ahead of Delos. Well, I think the only... Look, the only reason I could see why they want to control Delos is for the data, right? So they have the raw data on these people, right? So maybe Inside just has, like... Inside has the d- data that they have right now, but potentially they're going to say, oh, Delos was tracking all of these people's biometrics and literally their every thought while they were on Westworld. So, like, the Rehoboam is probably going, well, maybe if I use that data, my simulation will be more accurate, or whatever it is. I don't know. Like, it's dumb. The corporate thriller thing is dumb, right? Like, we can create whatever sort of justifications for it, but my sense is that the resolution of this will be dumb. Famous last words, we'll see what they can do. But anyway, my sense is that it's not going to be particularly well thought out. <laughs> um, Mags, what were your thoughts? Wow. What more can I add to this? <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, for me, I thought it was a really, I guess, two points. Um, overall, I thought it was a really disjointed episode. So they were trying, I think, at, in, at this point at episode three to start to weave all the different storylines that introduced in the earlier few episodes together. Um, but I wasn't quite convinced by it. Um, and I also thought they chose some really weird points to do um, see, scene cuts or to end different scenes. So, for example, the transition from um, the scene in the playground where... Um, Charlotte Hale goes to pick up her son and realizes that she's he's being groomed by a, a pedophile, and um, she kills the man. And through that act, somehow rediscovers herself and is empowered. Yeah. And they cut. Yeah, it was such a strange scene. And then they cut to a completely different scene that had no um, connection to it. I thought those types of choices were very strange, and I wasn't sure what they were trying to do. Um, the other thing is. Obviously, the Caleb and Dolores relationship is going to be one of the key relationships of this season. But this particular episode, for me, it just made their relationship um, really... um, I just couldn't believe it. Caleb was too readily enthralled by Dolores, too readily um, believing in her story. Um, She was very clearly the Terminator by now, and he's probably now the John Connor of this season it, it just yeah it, she's yeah it, it just seemed way too um too trite really um so i i think they're going to have to do a lot of work to build that relationship so that it has a bit more credibility and dolores herself i'm just not quite 
convinced. I mean, she's now invincible, really, and I think we said this last episode, but more than ever um, in this episode, um, she's coming across as this invisible, godlike figure um, leading a revolution. And, more, you know, you saw that through, for example, the way that she rescued, in inverted commas, Charlotte Hale from self-harm, um, the way she's re- she rescued Caleb from the building site and killed those two goons who came after him um, and is now always dressed in black with at least one piece of leather clothing on her. Mm. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm not quite sure what they're trying to do and, and what it, where exactly this is going. Yeah. Look, I would agree with that, Max. I, I think the whole Dolores relationship with Caleb, I, I have a huge... I had a huge issue with that as well. Like, the way Caleb just... Like, from what I remember from the last episode, she he doesn't really have an interaction with her and basically just comes across her wounded, right? But for whatever reason, this random wounded lady, he gets her on the ambulance and then immediately he just trusts her that she's like... Oh, so, like... She kills these two policemen, and he's not scared or concerned by this at all. Instead, he seems more enthralled by her. It's just bizarre. It's it's really, it's really weird. Yeah, um, yeah, I so, agree. So, do you think, do you think the show is setting up a, a romance between Caleb Nichols yeah. and Dolores Abernathy? And if so, oh, for sure. What, how does that make you feel? It's <laughs> strange. Oh, yeah. Strange. It's just strange. (laughs) Yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't think, I don't, I don't think the groundwork has really been laid for it. I think they're trying to make it feel like Westworld, like maybe she's become the man in black, and he's Dolores, kind of, I guess, maybe in this world. But yeah, it's, yeah, I I don't, I don't really feel it's particularly convincing. Um, Can I? Two not-so-nice things about that. The, the first not-so-nice thing is he's too short and not good-looking enough for her. <laughs> and the second not-so-nice thing is when the, the idea that this amazing algorithm has predicted that he will take his life in ten years. Are you serious? There's no way this character has ten years in him, okay? He was ready to get and thrown off a window for some chick that he briefly met and would likely never see again. Do you really think this guy has 10 years left in him? No way, 10 months maybe, but not 10 years. So doesn't know what it's talking about. Look, look, in this episode's defense, so look, I agree with basically everything that's been said. I don't think I have a huge amount to add. I think to, to this episode's defense, and I think some of you have already noted this, I think visually, like their game is pretty good, right? Visually, these episodes look great, right? And there's a lot of really sort of cool futuristic scenes, right? With, like, the big base notes. You know, like, nowadays, they have those... The big white... The Chris Nolan way of filming, right? Where you have the big wide shot of these, like, amazing Mm. scenes, and then you have this... This base note that just kind of runs through the background, right? Um, Yeah, so there's a lot of that, which is... Like, you know, it's pretty well done, and I think all the CG is um, really well done. I think some of the imagery is pretty well done as well. I mean, like, in the same way that, you know, last season you had the man in black contrasted with visually with other people, in this season you have, you know, I thought there was a scene in the hotel when Charlotte Hale is sitting opposite Dolores, and Dolores is dressed in black, but she, her 
her complexion is super pale, right? And she's blonde. And then you have Charlotte Haired, who's dark-skinned and dark-haired, and she's all dressed in white. So visually, I'm not saying that it's actually sort of adding anything to the story, but visually, it's like, ah, that's clearly a very, an engineered artistic shot. And I get that, right? But whether it really adds to the storytelling or anything like that, not really, because the Charlotte Hale story is basically revolves around this weak corporate thriller plot and a mystery box, which is not really that exciting, which is who is Charlotte Hale, really? So, um, yeah. yeah. Guys, I'll take you up on the, that stuff about the big sort of resonant bass note that was playing heavily in the soundtrack of this particular episode. It... It was quite resonant of, or, rem- or, or reminiscent of, um, the soundtrack for Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Yes, yes, yes. And, um, and thematically, was not dissimilar from Blade Runner twenty forty nine as well, because the story of Charlotte Hale, robot struggling with uh, her robotness and thinking that she might be something more, is actually the story of Joe in Blade Runner twenty forty nine. And um, and the thing is, Blade Runner twenty forty nine was executed at such a level of craftsmanship and artistry that far exceeded this episode that I think to the extent that there were things in the episode that were meant to be to call attention to or to pay tribute to um, what Denis Villeneuve had done in Blade Runner 2049, it actually did more to expose just how little there was in this episode that 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 was of any real substance. I got to say, the only thing I liked about this episode, the only thing that I really, really liked about this episode, was the scene where um, uh, Caleb's just a bit, just about to be thrown off the, um, the you know, the construction site where he works, and his colleague, yes, robot, wakes, and then sort of approaches him, and then sort of trips over and falls down to his <laughs> death. Yeah. And I thought that was absolutely hilarious. That was like this sort of bizarre wild E. Coyote moment. In, in the in the middle of this episode, and it was the only thing that even remotely approached rep- approached wit in this episode. So, uh, um, otherwise, otherwise it was um, yeah, it was pretty pretty dire. Yeah, I actually really liked that moment. I thought it was emotionally resonant in some ways, right? Because there's this robot that basically has no personality, but he's like, I mean, it. I think. For me, that moment was resonant because literally the only person at that time, I think, was trying to get at the fact that the only entity at that time that would possibly help Caleb was someone that was like basically this robot that had no real free will of its own. I actually thought that the way they did that robot, it kind of gave that robot a element of pathos like the way because he got pushed off. i don't think he fell yeah he i think he got pushed off because he was leaning over to try to grab caleb and the goons like basically pushed him off i think uh, uh, either way it was hilarious it was just like it was funny right no, like... i didn't think it was funny but it's funny listening to you talk about it <laughs> like he just he, that robot just died like a punk right like so oh i like that robot maze did you like that robot I, I, I like the robot. I like yeah, the robot. So did I. But like, let's face it: if that robot was a human being, like we would be awarding it a Darwin Award because that was like such a dumb death. <laughs> um, yeah. Look, I've been reflecting, Jerry, on why it is that 
for some reason, like, I really enjoyed Blade Runner 2049. I think Blade Runner 2049 is a beautifully crafted film. And thematically, there are themes that it obviously shares with Westworld. And so, like, the only thing, like, one of the things that I think, and I'm not sure about this, this is just a hypothesis from my perspective, right? Because I can't, to be honest, I can't quite really put the finger down, my finger down on exactly what bothers me so much about this season. But I think one of the things that bothers me is the fact that they're literally, like, I think I said this last episode or the previous episode before that, that I feel like they're literally trying to do every sci-fi story at the same time, right? Like, I feel like there are all these sci-fi themes that are just mixed in there, and they don't really focus on anything with any, like, they don't really resolve or focus on anything um, satisfactorily, I think. Yeah, so it's it just feels everything feels very shallow, and there's a lot of sci-fi themes that are just kind of packed in there. But it just feels very shallow because immediately, you know, there's elements of the Terminator. There's like all this Philip K. Dick stuff that's kind of in there. There's like, you know, like yeah, there's Blade Runner, there's Matrix, blah blah blah. Like, yeah, and I guess Transformers. <laughs> well, I was look to be honest, I was thinking more RoboCop, right? Because you know. If you remember the original Robocop, a lot of that is around corporate, like, malfeasance, essentially, right? And, yeah. yeah. So, it's kind of like... But I feel, actually, that Robocop did a much better job. Like, I can't believe I'm saying this, right? But Robocop, I think, did a much better job of, like, the sort of um, exposing corporate malfeasance for, like, how inept and incompetent it can be and how it's just basically just driven by individual greed and selfishness, Right. While this makes it seem kind of cool and... I don't know. It's 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 just all over the place. Yeah. Um, is there anything else we want to add? Anager, Mags, is there anything that... Anything else you'd like to discuss about this episode? Uh. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was lame. It was a bit lame. Okay. Um, so, look. Are we... I said this to Jerry earlier. I'm I'm pretty bearish on this season of Westworld. Like we're almost halfway through now. Is it eight eight episodes? Anyway, but I think I think it's usually ten for Westworld. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, sort of. So we're about a third of the way in. Yeah, we're at least a third of the way in. Um, and. You know, Serac has been set up as the big bad of the season, presumably, and he's just a non-entity. I mean, Vincent Cassell, fine actor. I don't think he's been given very much to do beyond sort of mugging and looking vaguely, vaguely ominous. Um, you know, and and his motivations are completely obscure. The motivations of all the characters really are obscure. So. Um, by withholding so much information from the audience, I think the the show is now running the risk of causing the audience to disengage. Mm. And certainly, that's I, that I think is is part of how I'm responding to the show because I thought the the, the season premiere showed a fair fair amount of promise. I mean, it wasn't perfect. It wasn't a perfect episode of television, but I thought it showed promise and there was at least the hope of a course correction after what I thought was a real mess of a second season. But three episodes in, um, you know, I think the pulse and the patient is beginning to fade. Mm. 
Yeah, like my theory actually is that Serac is just the the AI, right? Like, because you know, he seems to be sort of doing the bidding of the AI, so he's probably the AI. Not that that even if that was revealed, who cares, right? Like, I think you're right. The problem with this show right now is that, um. So much of it is around this mystery box style storytelling, yet none of the mystery boxes are particularly thrilling or interesting. Right, I I think from around our table anyway. Like, is there anything that feels like, oh, I must know what happens there? I don't know. Zero. Yeah. (laughs) For me, zero. Yeah. So, um, anyway... We're all in lockdown, so I guess we'll keep watching this show and keep talking about it. Because <laughs> we can't go out to watch a film. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay, uh, nothing else to add, Anandra? That's it. Okay, well, on that note, we'll be back next week for episode four of Westworld season three. And till then, um, we'll see you everyone later. So, yeah, say bye, everyone. Bye. Ciao. Bye. Bye.